Well, good afternoon, Garrick Regner. It is a pleasure to see you, man. I feel like it's been a bit of a bit of a time since just you and I sat down at this cozy little table on my balcony uh, with you on the other side of my, my thin. I'm in, I'm in my bedroom. I'm sorry, my bedroom. Yeah, it feels like we're in two uh, two dimensions. Yeah. Uh, can you tell? Can you tell that my family is watching uh, Harry Potter these days? <laughs> oh, really? Every, yeah, we, we we started listening to the books. And uh, on on a trip recently, and uh, audiobooks, and they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so then we decided, well, we'll show the kids the movies. And for my poor daughter, the second movie got a little scary, and she woke up yeah. at night and had terrible nightmares. So we're yeah. we're putting them off. But we we bought the pack, so yeah. we've we're we're good to go. Those aren't going to go bad on us. So, anyway. It's good. Those are good movies. Uh, great, great oh, storytelling. Yeah, great storytelling, and they did it. They did a good job. Who, who? So on the the audiobook, who reads it? Oh gosh, I forget his name, but they first started it out as a famous atheist British actor. He's really good, but but then they went back and they redid him with this other dude, and mm-hmm. he is incredible. Uh, honestly, like you always hear, the books are better than the movie. The books are better than the movie, but also I'd say the audiobooks are better than the movie. Like it's oh, just incredible. He does an incredible job. Um, yeah. So put it into the Google machine and let's see. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see here. What, who? I forget. I forget. Well, Stephen Fry was, was probably the Stephen original. Fry did him first. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they redid him with this other dude. Stephen something. I, think. I mean, that's coming in Spanish. So it's not, it's not helping me. Wait, hold on. This might Senor. Be. <laughs> uh, it's only yeah. funny to, to those of us who don't really know Spanish that we, we throw in the only Spanish words we know as, as if it like is meaningful Jim Dale so, yeah maybe Jim Dale I don't know who that is but. he's honestly he does how he does all the voices he gets the accents spot on like it's just oh he it's does incredible. like yeah. yeah yeah for each character he does a unique a unique voice that's a that's a that's a tough job because that's a that's yeah. a book, not like a Jim Dale. Some, yeah, he's a British, like classical trained. He's an MBE. What does that mean? That's like something special. Uh, in a in yeah, England. In, in England, it means Majesty's bothersome, <laughs> most excellent order of the British Empire. There you go. Of, of course. How 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 well, how presumptuous. The British Empire. Uh, so yeah, he's a kind of a classical trained. He's more TV kind of stuff, but and voice work it looks like. Okay, so while we're on pop culture references and things, um, you and I both like music. Uh, yeah. We both like uh, we both like interesting factoids and stories that are behind the music. Wasn't yeah. that a VH1? program behind the, the music, music behind the music yeah it was a great show a so show. so anyway so you were recently you and i were recently talking about towns van zandt yeah the great and his connection to campus crusade campus, for yeah, campus crusade for christ billy graham okay but hold, so some people may not know who towns van zandt is uh, and i pity their souls yeah and so i would recommend going out and and uh, most famously known for writing two songs that were huge hits for other people, Poncho and Lefty and oh, If I Needed You, which I think, um, oh gosh, I'm just like totally blanking well, I out. I love it, sang it, but also who else sang Willie that? Nelson. The, Willie um, Nelson. I mean, every everyone's kind of covered it. Uh, but also, um, oh my gosh, 
Oh, I can see her face. She's very, very famous, kind of more classical country uh, singer. It'll, it'll come to me in a second. But anyway, so Towns Van Zandt is from Houston area. Mm-hmm. Van Zandt County in Texas is named after his grandfather, I believe. So he kind of came from a kind of a wealthy, you know, family, uh, but um, didn't meet up to those expectations. I think he was a <laughs> lawyer or something. But he, he kind of became this hippie, hippie songwriter. Uh, but a Texas singer songwriter, Texas singer songwriter, which is and, very uh, different than just hippie songwriter. It's yeah, yeah, hippie Sorry, songwriter not, with yeah. a Texas edge. But he's yeah, with a very Texas edge, and and cons- I mean, he considered one of the greatest songwriters. Which okay, Steve Earle, if you know Steve Earle, Steve Earle is another yes. Texas songwriter who's fantastic, very, very uh, well well known and respected. Um, Steve Earle was a, was mentored by. Um, Towns Van Zandt. And so apparently, so Steve, Steve Earl, as, as, as hippie musicians are wont to do mentorship yeah. is huge within the hippie musician well, movement. He, he basically, he wanted to be a singer songwriter. So he, yeah. he sought out, uh, a Towns Van Zandt. Um, and well, when I said hippie, I didn't mean musically. I said hippie more lifestyle. He was kind <laughs> yeah, of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was kind of a vagabond. He, he had but but, but I think that's the thing people need to understand about Texas yeah. music specifically. Yeah. Is that there? There is a specific, I would say, threadbare gypsy soul. Yeah, yeah. To to steal from Pat Green and and um, yeah. Willie Nelson, but ish type of person who who is attracted to it. There is yeah. it is a very specific genre, but also lifestyle of person. I mean, it is a really. Yeah. I, I love contra, it. But. Contra Music Row Nashville. Yep. It's very yep. very anti. We, we might call it outlaw country as well. Yep. Texas Which, outlaw country ish. Yeah, and so, so Steve Earle went and, and sought him out and, and was basically became his protege at one point. And at one point he, he was talking to, to Townsend about, okay, how do I become a great songwriter? And, and Townsend said, read um, Tolstoy's war and peace. So he got war and peace. Steve Earle didn't read it. And then he was like, wow, that's a great book, but I don't understand how that helps me. And he went and, back to town and said, okay, I read the book. What, how does it help me with songwriting? And, and I, you know, what, what do you think? He goes, Oh, I've never read it. I just thought you should read it is what Towns Van Zandt <laughs> said to me. And so that gives me a little bit of the spirit of Towns Van Zandt. And okay. So just a side comment before we go into the story, Steve Earle once said famously, he would stand on Bob Dylan's uh, coffee table and shout it to the world that Towns Van Zandt is the greatest American songwriter to, to which Townsend Zant, when he heard that quote, he said, well, I've, I know Bob Dylan, I've seen his bodyguards and there's no way they're going to let him get on his, on Bob Dylan's uh, coffee table. <laughs> so it was a very funny guy too. Very, uh, but yeah. unfortunately had a bit of an alcohol drug problem and passed away a while ago, passed away uh, yeah. a little bit young in his fifties. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so the story is okay. So Townsend Zant would class would would famously say that Billy Graham helped him write the song "Poncho and Lefty," which was his greatest, probably greatest. Which, if you do song. not know the song "Poncho and Lefty," you need to listen to it. Yeah. Do not judge it. It is a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. If you're if you're a Texan, I have karaokeed that song before. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. It's 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 one of the great songs from Texas. Yeah, about kind of you know the southwest and mexico yep. and texas and so how did billy graham okay not just billy graham but, but oh, so yeah bill bright so he, he he didn't make the connection but i'm gonna make the connection that bill bright 
uh, and Billy Graham helped. He well, he would say Billy Graham was a co-writer of Poncho and Lift. So why he said that was uh, he had who was playing a show in downtown Dallas. Uh, you know, I think in '83, right? It was Explode was '83 or '82? Um, no, I think so. Uh, and and he, because at the same weekend was Campus Crusader was having Explode '83 or Explode '82, which is big evangelistic discipleship conference. I don't, I don't really know. I wasn't around for it. Um, I was a little bit young. Uh, anyway, so because of all these people, all these Christians who had come from all over the country to go to the cotton bowl and like Johnny Cash was there, Billy Graham, Bill Bride, it was just this big event. Uh, when, when Townsend Zant and his kind of his accompanying guitar player showed up there, there was literally no hotels in Dallas. So he had to go and stay up in Denton which now you go, well, Denton, that's a great, well, back then, I don't think Denton, I think Denton was like a little town with nothing going on in the eighties. And so um, what, because he was up there so far away, he had nothing to do. Um, and so he basically had the time to write Poncho and Lefty. He wrote Poncho and Lefty that, that day while he was waiting for, um, for a show. So, so, so he, so he's always said that Billy Graham is a co-writer because had Billy Graham and this had this big Christian conference not happened, he would not have been all right. Poncho and lefty. Now the, the funniest thing, the funny thing about the story is that, you know, I, I believe kind of how he told it was him and his guitar player, or whoever's in kind of in his accompanying band at the time, they, they had, they, they drove down to downtown Dallas to play their show. Right. And I think they might've have used something beforehand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as they're driving to the show, they get pulled over by the police and so they're really nervous. The police come up and Towns Van Zandt is smart enough. He goes, he said to the police, he goes, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and the police goes, go ahead. Because <laughs> they made, they made, he made the connection that if we, if we, if they think we're these Christian kids, they'll let us go. So, <laughs> so that's, that's the, that's the Towns Van Zandt story. Uh, Oh, interestingly, the, you can, the impact of Campus Crusade for Christ yeah, imp- is it's, it's, no, it's, it's, it's there's got to be a place. ton of other stories. Oh, the other thing too, you can you can uh, his son is a fishing guide down in Galveston, so you can hire his son to take you out uh, bay fishing. Really, in the in the, in the, the Gulf Coast. Yeah, he gets written brother, up about. I've always thought my brother would would become a, a hunting and fishing guide. Oh yeah, I think he I think he might be part fish. Part um, fish. He, he loves being out on the water. Uh, okay. So, well, I, the, I love, I love stories like that because it's, uh, I don't know. I think it just makes life more interesting. It's the story behind the story. Yeah. Um, and that's true. Life is always better than fiction anyway. Um, unless of course it's, I don't know how, I don't know where Harry Potter comes into that equation anyway. Um, okay, so we are we are a year into this uh, shaking off the rust, people. We're shaking off the rust. Uh, we're a year into this pandemic. Uh, we actually just celebrated one whole year of Rabbit Trails podcast. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you got the cake that I sent you. It was uh, delicious. Uh, <laughs> tasty. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, we thank you all for your generous uh listening ears um we hope that we haven't caused damage uh and if we have please write to our lawyers the home, uh, the home office that's right right the, the letterman and right had the home where was the home office the, the, it was the like home office in a, is in illinois somewhere in um, illinois some small town yeah we'll have to look uh, it up but we, it's the same we, we use the same home office as letterman so yeah well and our Just, lawyers are dewey cheatham and how uh <laughs> from 
from from car talk. Uh, anyway, um, no. So we're a year into. We started our podcast. We took the opportunity. We pivoted. Uh, and took the opportunity of uh, you being captive in your own apartment for months on end uh, to start a podcast. And uh, it's gone well. Uh, we've loved doing it. Um, it's been a chance for us to learn, a chance for us to pontificate uh, without uh, reprisal. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but also to interview some pretty cool people. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, just fun. It's amazing what you can do when you put yourself behind a uh, a microphone you bought on Amazon yeah. and a program that everyone uses. Um, people say yes to your crazy invitations. So that's been pretty yeah. cool. It was a good pivot. And I think we've, we've benefited from the fact that a lot of people were usually go, go have a speaking uh, life, a speaking life. That's, you know, but who have it, who, you know, go out and speak at churches or events, yeah. they couldn't do that. So we were, we were the next, we were the next best, yeah. next best thing or in a lot of cases. Or least best, but yeah. we they were available and yeah. said, why not? Uh, as as Todd Bollinger said, um, what was it? Uh, yeah, I was supposed to do like thirty engagements this year, and or no, I had sixteen engagements canceled in the first couple of days of, of lockdown, and I've had over ninety nine the rest of the year or something. Yeah. Uh, I think we were one of those, and uh, hopefully he doesn't regret it. Um, but no, so anyway, so it's been been awesome. Uh, thought what we could talk about, maybe take it for a few minutes is. Um, Pivoting became a very important topic in the pandemic. And as we move forward, um, what our topic for today can be, what uh, lessons have we learned? So looking back over a year, what lessons have we learned or what benefits have come because of pandemic? So that's a pretty broad topic, but yeah. kind of looking back, I don't know that you and I made any predictions. Sure, we made predictions, uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, not 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 on the air, not not recorded predictions. Yeah, I think I think we did, but I don't think it were like <laughs> there will be this many people who get it. no, but I mean more like yeah. uh, one of the predictions we made was that you know don't invest in Zoom long term, uh, or at least you and I would talk about that. Now I think Zoom will always be used. I think yeah, travel overall will be less like business travel. Like I was listening to uh, Tyler Cohen, who's an economist. Uh, works out at George Mason University, has a great podcast called, I think, Coffee Talk with, no, Conversations with Tyler. Coffee Talk with, what's your, with uh, Coffee Talk. Uh, <laughs> but he was saying, you know, because he travels a lot and speaks a lot, and he was saying, yeah, I expect that I'll, I'll do a lot more, specifically with like he would travel to Asia a lot and do stuff. He said, I, I would imagine that I'll do a lot more Zoom um, than traveling places. And, yeah. and that, that makes sense to me. So, but here's what I want to know. What are what are some of the benefits that came up uh, as a result of the time? What do we, what do we learn? What are the yeah? Uh, what have we what have we learned? I, well, I think um, I think one one thing we learned is that we we don't know as much as we think we do. On one hand, how do you, you know? know that? Um, <laughs> you know, we we as as a society, as a world as a, how do we know we don't know? Uh, that's that, that's you know one of the big challenges in life. Know, knowing what you don't know. Uh, and I think we've, you know, we've seen that we're, we, we're still a very fragile, humanity is still very fragile, uh, you know, and we don't, we don't have, we're not masters of the universe, which is, you know, I think a good thing, but probably not what a lot of people wanted to experience. I think, do you think that's a long-term lesson? Because like with vaccines where this new technology has been utilized, do you think that a new 
type of arrogance will emerge that's like, well, it's all a matter of scientific furthering. I go back I and forth on that because I agree yeah. with you. I think question. it's very humbling for people to realize that life is so I think for me, I think it's summed up with um you know the 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 grass withers or the flowers wither because of the heat that we are but dust and it, it it's it's yeah. over. Uh, we, we realized our mortality, uh, but at the same time, we also have these incredible technologies that we think can ultimately beat it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it is, we live in an amazing time. I mean, let's just be honest because from a year of the pandemic starting with, with, within less than a year, we had vaccines that now are saving people's lives and in the process of moving us to a, uh, back to normality, back to right. the way life was. Um, so, but, but I do, I, I still think within that, what, what you do, what you, what you hear that in that the vaccine here is here now is that, well, there's the next thing, the next thing, when is the next thing going to happen? And that'll be another, you know, my guess was it's, it's a long ways out, right? Maybe not mm-hmm. in our lifetime, but um, you know, we, we, we are very, we're still very fragile, fragile people and still very people where, where, uh, the the issues that we face are not insurmountable and not impossible, but they do have you know to some degree there's there's casualties to it, and there's you know there's loss. I mean, at the very least, we've all had to make some huge you know changes in our in our lives. Some people made some huge sacrifices. Some people have lost loved ones you know in this last year, but uh. So I think it's a, it's a, for me, it's a little bit of that human resiliency is pretty amazing. And, you know, obviously God is in control and, and but also the fact that we are, you're right. We are the, the, we will wither and face difficulty and pain. Well, I don't know. What do you think? What's. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a really important one. I, I think we've, I think we've learned also the, quality of community. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm not saying that, well, I, so the Texas Rangers, right. Played their home opener with 40,000 yeah. people. And I saw yeah. pictures and there was like, there was this longing that I had to be just like, Oh, I want to be there. Yeah. Um, there is something we are, you know, we're not just social animals. We were created to have community and mm-hmm. meaningful community. Um, it's not just a, oh yeah, we kind of like getting together and that's fun, but I'm going to go live off on my own. It's like, no, like, you know, like a, we're more like a baby in a crib that needs to be touched. Um, we need human contact. We need people in our lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so, and, and what I would say is the normal interaction that we have with people in our day-to-day life is incredibly important on so many underappreciated, in so many underappreciated ways. So just a, a very small one in my own life. So we're making this big transition to, to Spain and out of Sweden. And I realized the other day how few daily conversations I have about what's going on in my life. And so it's really made this process of transition odd and very difficult in some ways, because I don't talk about where we're moving to and I don't 
mourn where we're moving from. And so it's just this place of it just is. And as a human being, that's incredibly hard. So I just think it, it, it highlights how much we long for community um, and how we long for our community to be ultimately meaningful. Mm-hmm. But I also think I'm learning what I long considered meaningful maybe was, was certainly meaningful, but I underappreciated some of, some of how meaningful banalities can be. Mm. Uh-huh. So like just simple, wonderful conversations with people you see in your life or people you see at church who, you know, you're not just dying to be best friends with them, but it's sure nice to see them. And they're a smiling face. And, yeah. you know, you just don't have your, your, the number of interactions that you have are reduced that are like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh well, two, two things recently I kind of was, I was looking at that kind of tied to this were uh, Arthur Brooks. He, he writes the New York times. He's a, he's a Catholic guy. He did the Camino actually. He's, he's written a lot about the Camino. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty uh, devout Catholic as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's a serious guy. He wrote recently had an article doing a little, looking at some research that basically showed most companies are, they're dying to get their people back in the offices mm-hmm. because they're seeing that it's not, you know, I think there was this big kind of idea of, well, we're just all going to zoom it for the rest of our lives. And they're seeing, no. and, and you and I were kind of like, eh, I don't know if I agree with that early on. You and I both kind of said that just doesn't like that kind of goes against everything we know about people, leadership, working in teams, you know, you can do it, but it's not ideal. And, and, and uh, you know, I think there's, so he is saying, you know, they're seeing this drop in, in, in work force, happiness and contentment mm-hmm. because the people are at home. Um, and so, so I, I, you know, that's one, and I, but also when you, when you look at that, you got to understand like going into work, I mean, people, work gives so much meaning to people and the ability to go and be a part of a team or a structure or organization and to see people and, and talk to people. I mean, the, the fact that we can do a little bit more of that in Spain, yesterday I was in Madrid, we were visiting a church plant that Agape Spain is doing and we we're all together. You know, we were, had masks on, we we're socially distanced, but we were able to, to be together, be outside to hear and listen and see each other. And, you know, some people I hadn't seen in, you know, a year in person, I'd seen one zoom, but there's a, there's a, there was something really deep Mm -hmm. for everyone. I think they just felt good. The ability to kind of be out and about and with people. And so I think you're right. There's that banality uh, that is important. Um, And and people, people are looking and need and and want connection and that those simple touches that, you know, take for granted sometimes. Well, so, so here's to talk about pivot and what we've learned and everything else. Um, so every difficulty has an opportunity that's attached to it. And, and, um, I, I do wonder for churches or even para church organizations, if it is not possible to like, so if people are going to continue to work remotely, because I, there is going to be some shift. Yeah, to sure. That. Mm-hmm. Sure, um, sure. 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 So I listened to a great podcast. I've listened to way too many podcasts, but uh, Carrie Newhoff interviewed mm-hmm. Cam Newsom, I think. Cal, Cam, Cam Newsom. Cam, News. Cam Neely, uh, the former no. Boston Bruins. <laughs> no, I, I think it's Cam Newsom. Anyway, he's a, he, he works on basically how to work more effectively. He, he wrote a book uh-huh. called Digital Minimalism, which has been really popular. Cal, Cal Newsom, I forget. Anyway, he really, really, 
smart mind. And he was just talking about, Hey, there's a lot of inefficient. He wrote a new book called a, a world without email where he's mm-hmm. just trying to get people to think about, Hey, email's not the most efficient way of doing things. We could increase our productivity, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And he, you know, he was talking about the reality of virtual, virtual working and everything else. But so he's Cal, all about produ- Cal Newport, Cal Newport, Cal Newport. Thank you. So he, he's all about, um, <laughs> thank you, Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's all about, you know, increasing productivity, but what, what he left out and what I think that we underestimate, I was just thinking of here in Sweden, most of the people I interact or a lot of the people I meet outside of my ministry context end up having, and who are not Christians, most of the people they meet up with are people they work with. So if you're taking out that big piece, people are going to be longing. How are people going to socialize when they can get back together? Yeah. Uh, so if you, if an office says, hey, we're just going virtual, overall, what are people going to do in order to form relationships? And because that, that longing is still going to be there. Yeah. So I actually think for parachurch and church groups, there's an opportunity to say, hey, socially, we, we want to be there for you. Uh, you know, it's uh, so and I think that's actually something that we need to pay. We do well to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Well, I was also listening to it. Uh, a podcast yesterday was go, was talking to a guy named Craig Finn, who's the lead singer of a band called The Hold Steady, which they have a great album out, new one. I'd recommend it's called Open Door Policy. And he also has does several does has put out several solo albums. But he talks about how in the way they they formed the band, they wanted to form their band around a, creating a community for people. And he kind of he, he he was kind of fairly clear about saying it was kind of modeled on the idea of, of, of church and what he had seen growing up in a in church settings of like having a place where people, um, you know, can connect through something and through through an experience that he would use the word ritual like we have rituals we have we have symbols we have these things and so he's clearly Bob he you know he was he well, he's he's a he's kind of a non practicing Christian believer but you know not really super serious. But he was saying, you know, these are these things we see to be able to form a community of people and, and connect people. And that's what we want to be about, you know, positivity. And and it was very fascinating because I, I what, what, when I look at that, I go, that's so much of what people are looking for nowadays, right? Whether it's in a, you know, um, fantasy football communities, you see, that's something I've noticed recently has become very popular. People are very mm-hmm. connected to a group of other people they don't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. That uh, originally they, they met through that 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 platform of, of fantasy football, where they met through a platform of a certain band or certain style or type of music or uh, sports. So, you know, uh, American soccer fans have really formed the, these type, and a lot of it's been through the internet, right? Mm. But they have the points because you still go to a soccer game, you still right. go to a bar to talk of, to have the draft. You still go to concerts, right? And so I think there's something really interesting that's happening. I think partially because the church in the West has declined, mm-hmm. you know, and these are things that have maybe taken a little bit of shape of that. Um, so I think there's, I think you're definitely onto something. And I, you know, I think more and more what we, the church has got to look like that. But also, I think the church needs to go into those spaces as well, yeah, um, and and be there as well, and not just allow because. People need community. They want something. They want meaning. They want purpose. They want symbols. They want ritual, you know, whether they call it ritual or not. Um, and so I think we're, we're seeing that. I think there's going to be this it's like explosion of people going back to those things. Yep. Uh, 
you know, if not already in certain places in the world, it's already, this is already happening. Well, so, I mean, Barcelona just had a concert with 5,000 people where you got a Corona test included in the price of your ticket. It was an experiment to see, okay, could we do these things and how could we do them? Uh, Texas opened up and one may question the wisdom of, of 42,000 people watching a home opener of the Rangers. Was it really worth it? People it's the Rangers anyway. uh, (laughs) So, but I mean, but I mean, I mean, that's, you're an Astros fan. Just, just to clarify that. that he's an Astros fan. <laughs> hey, but Nolan Ryan played for the Rangers too, who was my yeah, favorite player growing yeah. up. Uh, but anyway, no, I mean, there, so there's, there, there's the reality there is uh, it's, it's kind of like the economy. Everyone's anticipating a boom on the other side of this. Um, and hopefully I pray that that's the case, especially for places like Spain yeah. um, where it's just been terrible, but I, I think in some way, I think you're going to have a boom of activity of people. I think people will still, lots of people will still take precautions, even though things open up. Like it's not like every day in Texas, as far as I understand it, is like 42,000 people still, people are still taking precautions and yeah. being careful, especially if yeah. they're, um, people are reasonable. They, they want to protect themselves. But anyway, but I do think we need to be aware of, and I think you guys have taken taking note of that in, in Madrid, I know that y'all have started doing hiking with students and just really tapping into that desire to be with community. Um, our, our various movements here have, have done things similar, uh, not exactly the same as you guys. And I don't want to say numbers have necessarily increased, but what I would say is that quality of interaction with people has been meaningful, uh, and, and is, I think really encouraging. And we've been able to meet and connect with with new people as well as well because that's great. There are new people who you know to be able to say, "Hey, we're going to go." Now I don't know how long those connections will last, but you know that was our big concern. How do you meet new students when there's no, you know, normal kind of context to meet new students on campus or you know in a tea house or where, however you do it? You, but you can go outside. You can say, "Hey, we're we're a group of Christian students. We're hiking, and you're welcome to come and meet people and." You know, and yep. that seems to be right now, you know, one way to to kind of connect in with people. Well, and I, and I think that that's part of the so taking Bollinger, taking Poss, taking lots of things, but thinking about the idea of pivoting. Part of part of it is, I think, an important part of a, a realizing, okay, we're at a different spot now. Yes. Yeah stopping for a moment and taking that in and and taking note of it and saying, okay, how can we adjust? So not being in a rush for that, then position repositioning yourself in order to be able to meet the needs or step into that. So I think one of the ways that I would put it would be, so if, if the pandemic has taught lots of businesses, Hey, we wasted a lot of money on travel. A lot of those meetings didn't have to be face-to-face if we already had the relationship or whatever else. I think a lot of that will continue, but I think we should be careful to think that um, all business travel will stop. What I think is you're going to find is you're going to find a reprioritization of the type of travel that we do, and you're going to find people trying to optimize for that. And there's going to be a pendulum swing. In the, so some companies will completely stop all business travel. And they'll suffer for it. And some yeah. will begin to find, wait a second, there's this sweet spot of the type of meeting yeah. that that we need to understand. We need to do this face-to-face. In the same way, I think for, for ministry, um, we need to be willing to go, hey, maybe a lot of the things that we were doing weren't really that valuable. Um, 
but we need to be careful not to swing the pendulum so far. So like you guys have been able to meet people uh, in Madrid. Um, yeah. Now in Granada and Malaga as well. Right. Yeah. In, in lieu of, in, in not really knowing, but is the question, and this is, this I think has, is remains to be seen. Will that, what you're finding works right now continue yeah. as things open up and that we don't know. So I think we have to be careful not to go, well, let's throw out everything. But one of the things, so again, one of the things that I think we learned is there's a lot of activities that we were doing yeah. that we were doing them because we were just used to doing them. Mm-hmm. Now we've had the luxury of being given a gift of not being able to do them and forced to do it. And no one blames us for not doing them and we can evaluate them and kind of go, okay, maybe we can do something else. And then there becomes the evaluated point of what are the bits we keep and what do we, what do we completely jettison? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think that's just, that's just good leadership. Any, any year of the, of the, of the, of our life. I think, you know, if, if you look at, I mean, historically, if you look at the twenties, right. You know, these, these things kind of go because what, what you have, your resources, you know, the twenties people were spending money out the wazoo and then the thirties, everything changed. Yeah. But it didn't mean everything changed forever. I, I think, okay. So, I mean, probably in our life, our lifetimes, it would be the internet bubble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but you know, people were just, you know, money was just flowing in an amazing, amazing, you know, it was incredible. Z, Z you, she worked I for tried it, to uh, invest in diapers.com. Yeah. <laughs> diapers. Accenture, Accenture. She worked for Accenture. Yeah, that's right. And they had a deal where it was like, okay, you, you know, if you on your assignment, instead of flying home, you can fly anywhere in the world. We'll pay for it. Cause you, you get a flight home every, you know, cause you're, you're always working the week in one city. Right. So people would go, I'm working in Minneapolis, but on, uh, instead of going home to Dallas, I'll fly to Tokyo. And Accenture was paying for that. They were they would have a, a yearly party in Dallas, where Z was on the committee one year. I can't remember the budget. It was, but it was you know it was insane. And the party was great. It was just you know food and fun and magicians in you know rock bands, you know. And what what happened was in the, that was in the terrifying. In the, everything blew up, you know, right? Yeah. And so all yeah. that stuff was taken away because that that glut of that change and people's expectations had to change. But it, but you know, it, it's come back. It came back at some point, but it may be in different ways or once that you know. So we're we're in that. I, I think the next two or three years, I think, are going to be interesting for ministry, for the economy, for what we do, because there's just going to still be this, you know, this residual ripples that are going on for a while until until things kind of go back to like, and everyone will be go, oh, we're all gonna now we figured it out. We fi- we now we figured it out, and the next and the next century. And then the next thing hits and you, and you have to go back into that, that change. Yeah. It's just, this one hit hard. Let's just say. Yeah. So from what I'm reading though, there's lots of people who expect something worse to eventually hit us. Yeah. Well, um, which maybe I just read the wrong people. <laughs> yeah. My daily, my daily dose of crushing morosity. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's what, you know, that's what people click on. Right. You know, and and I think there's some value to that. I do wonder sometimes if there's a little bit of a, because I feel like there's always something. And and, and so it's hard because you got to be careful because I think some people are hedging their bets, right? If I, if I predict it, I'm the guy who did it. Right. So it pays to be negative. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it could be, it could also be people just anticipating looking at 
just the nature of things is that pandemics and diseases come. We've yeah. just been really unfortunate for the last, I don't want to say hundred years. Cause like we've talked about the flu and everything else was, was around during that time. So, yeah. But it just, it just to me, it's interesting because it, you're right. There's a lot of generally, and there's some, there's, there's things being very concerned about it, not just, you know, pandemics and stuff, but at the same time, uh, you know, who, what, what's the, what's the real, you know, how many, my question is how many people predict bad things that never happen? You know, what's, well, what's, what, the, what's the, the percentage? Long, how many people, how many people predict that a, that a number 16 seed is going to, you know, beat a number one. And how oh often gosh. does that, does that happen? Who, who would have ever thought Baylor? I didn't even know they had a basketball team. I didn't even know they had a basketball team. I thought I, I knew they had a I, women's basketball team. I remember once cause they lost to SMU when I was there. So <laughs> my dad went to Baylor sick and bears. Um, yeah, so I had a, I had a thought though here um, that I think was important, and I've completely lost it. Oh, no. So we we may just have to we may have to move on. Um, I I do wonder if with all of the adjustments that have that have kind of had to take place, and um, I I do wonder a lot what, what's what's going to continue and what's going to stay, mm-hmm. um, and then what lessons can the church learn and have we learned them? I'm not sure. I don't know if we have, I, I don't know if we're, we're positioning ourselves or maybe we're just hoping that things are going to, I don't want to say go back to normal, but cause I don't even, I don't think people would necessarily expect it to go back to normal. Maybe some people do. I don't know. I guess what, you know, you mean just kind of a, like before you mean, well, but see, I don't, I don't think, I think we've been at this for so long. I don't think anyone's expecting that things are just going to go back to the way they were before. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think people have changed. Yeah. So I don't think anyone can go back to the way it was before because the way it was before no longer exists. Like I'm not even just talking about like the way we used to meet or anything else. Like yeah. society kind of builds upon itself new things like for example as far as i know no one has an avocado colored kitchen too often in the states anymore or you know because that was popular at a time but it's not popular anymore something else has become popular and that's just an example of how as humans we begin to change a little bit um and i I, that's maybe a micro example of a macro issue but well i don't know. know more recently that that would be you know world war ii would probably be the closest thing where there was a long drawn out global event that affected the vast majority in some way affected the vast majority of the population. Yeah. You know, so I think that that, that may be your, or, you know, cause I don't even know world war one was quite as, as global, you know, world war one was, it was pretty big, but I think world war two, you, you, you know, in some sense ha- have some kind of precedent there because you, I mean, that was, that was just a war that I mean, every country, you know, except for, you know, certain amount was somehow, uh, you know, deeply affected by something that lasted for, you know, four or five years, but really longer than that. Cause you've got, you know, maybe go back to the Spanish civil war. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, well, definitely I, marked by it. yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's my thing is we're all marked by it. So yeah. the way you walk into a store, not will forever be different. I'm not doom and gloom, but more what I mean was like, people's calculations are going to be different. And I don't think I maybe understood or recognized that fully 
I was maybe a little bit, a little bit too cynical against that. That doesn't mean that people aren't going to go back to like in Spain, like their neighborhood bar or here in Sweden, their, you know, their after work with their colleagues. I think some of the, I think most of those things will continue. Oh yeah. But things like, I guess here's what I mean. People want it to go back to the way it was before. And if we take, for example, what people did on their vacation, there was a lot of international travel. Mm -hmm. But during the pandemic, people discovered, wow, there's lots of really cool things nearby. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't have to go to the other parts of the world. I can go to things around here and it's a lot cheaper and it's fun. And so people rediscovered home in a different way and, or things that are close in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so while they may have the desire to travel, cause I sure do, um, they may rethink about that. So I think the way that people calculate and make decisions, not out of fear, just out of new worlds have opened up. Yeah, I think that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gosh, that took a long time for me to suss yeah, out. I, I think people have maybe seen the world in new ways. And, and you know, I, I think the question is how long does that kind of residual effect last, you know, before people begin yeah, to move until on? Until Delta you know? has a killer sale, then we're all going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, you know, you know, I've got friends in Mexico right now, you know, on vacation, you know, True. because yeah. Uh, Mexico's open because Mexico's open. You can, you can get down there and go. And and so, so, but, but I do think there, you know, maybe it's, it's it, maybe the other thing is it's just, it's going to open up new opportunities and, and maybe this is more of the capitalist kind of guy thinking of me, but like, what are, what are the new opportunities that, that we didn't have before? Like you said, you know, this could be a, a boon for certain tourist industries that are, you know, more localized or more, you know, you know, in a certain, you know, for the next, for the next so many years, that could be their, their moment to shine. Well, yeah. And here's, here's another question. And I don't know how many people during the pandemic have, so life slowed down an incredible amount. And so most people, their day-to-day activities that they normally would do that created a frenzied pace of life um, just stopped. And yeah. people had to pivot. They had to adjust. They baked bread. They did all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Will Will that continue? Probably not at the rate. But I wonder if people's tolerance for the pace of life will will go back to what it was. Yeah. I, yeah, I wonder if a, a lot question. of people will say, I don't want that anymore. And so yeah. they leave, for example, New York City or Stockholm um, and so I think part of what I'm asking is, does the church, do we as the church realize, hey, at some point, people may not have realized it. So so in the early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of, and I don't think we experienced it here in Sweden because Sweden was fundamentally pretty different than a lot of places in the response. But you saw this uptick in like searches for God and different things on the internet. Yeah. And that wasn't true necessarily in Sweden. The numbers didn't increase terribly. But I wonder if after that, as people start to go, okay, now I can go and do things. If it's kind of like, if if you've ever taken a fast from sugar, and then at the end of that fast, you kind of taste a, a roasted vegetable and you're like, this is sweet. 
and you mm-hmm. really, and then you taste like, you know, your favorite candy and you're like, and that's disgusting. <laughs> your body yeah. has adjusted. Now you can get back up to speed and eat too much sugar again. Thank, thank but God. the question is, is will people, will people have an added or an appetite for that? And is the church or we as believers and parachurch, are we ready to speak into it saying, Hey, you don't have to experience it that way. There's something more deep and more meaningful in slowing down or, or, experiencing peace. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great question. I think that, that, that is maybe the question is what, how does, how do Christians now step into that new reality and help people number one, live a more full life, but also encounter Jesus. How, how do we, how, which is, you know, I think the cases are similar, similar concepts, but, uh, and that, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't know if anyone knows. Um, no, I don't think we do. Yeah, but I think we need to be out there with our sandwich boards. I'm kidding. Please don't. <laughs> but I do think we need to be out there saying, "Hey, yeah. as you go back, remember it's going to be like putting sugar into your mouth for a long time. Uh, as things pick up, at first there's going to be a frenzy, but I think I think people are kind of go that kind of gives me a stomach ache. I'm not yeah. really sure I want to go back to the way it is. Yeah. So do we, do we have, are we having the conversations? So th- that's on one level. And I think from a ministry standpoint with students or wherever that people can begin speaking into people's lives as saying, Hey, how are you, how are you doing, you know, with just the stress in your life, the hamster wheel, the, all of those things. Cause I do think that the church has an opportunity to speak into yeah. that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. That's it. But that speak, means- speaking of all that, what's the first thing you're doing uh, now you guys are headed back to the U.S. this summer for a for a little while, are you not? Yeah, yeah, we'll be a couple couple months in the states. Yeah, and w- vaccinations are drawing out here in Europe. It's going to take a little while to get everybody vaccinated, but uh, yeah, it's a bit longer. But they're they're starting to pick up speed, uh, at least in Spain. Yeah. Things are yeah, they are here too. Um, there were seven thousand unfilled uh, vaccination uh, times in Stockholm yesterday. <laughs> so, they're having trouble with this system. Anyway, so what's what's one of the first things you guys want to do as a family kind of as things open up as we're talking about this, just out of curiosity? I, I mean, you know, I'll, to be honest with you, this the, in Spain, we've been able to do a lot. You know, I've been skiing, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. it's not so it's, it's it's a little bit hard because it's a gradual in and out, in and out. You know, we it's not we haven't had these hard lockdowns since last year. Uh, so it really hasn't impact us in the way i think for for me is to go see live music Mm. um you know that's a very important thing to me uh live music i think the ability you know eric i could have i could have been singing live music to you on these podcasts i don't robert Robert (laughs) O'Keen. uh i I think i think i think the fact the ability to get on a plane and just go and travel and see something new i think that we don't we don't do a ton of that but the fact that you can't do it is very frustrating. And so yeah. I think that for us is what, you know, the, the ability that I think that is, is that sense of freedom, which yeah. is, you know, uh, I think it would be, you know, we have, we have tickets this summer for do perfect for my son's birthday. Oh, that's awesome. San Antonio. So, you know, so I think, you know, and you know, so, so it's, it's, a, but that's, that's what, that's why I think this, this whole thing is very difficult because, and I, I make this comparison to world war two, world war two ended. Right. It, that w- Germany surrendered, Japan surrendered. It's over. This is not. There's not like a. There's not like a day when this is over. This is. This is like a gradual. Yeah. 
slide and then each country slide comes into it different you know gibraltar for instance right now is you know they're they're open they're i mean they're not open you can't come in because they don't want people coming in but they don't have any restrictions anymore in gibraltar because they don't have hardly any cases right so yeah what about you what but what, what, what well, you, guys you know, honestly, I think one of the hardest parts about we love hosting, you know, big yeah. groups of people or even just smaller groups of people. And yeah. some of the restrictions that came in Sweden were just kind of, you know, hey, don't have, you know, people over to your house sort of thing if you can avoid it. And so when I mean, we've had small groups of people or we've done things outside, but we have not done anything that we normally do. And I think we're just longing for interaction. There's so many people and, you know, we're in the midst of transition. So I think that's the hardest thing is not to be able to do to kind of have these moments with people that we otherwise would get to have. Uh, but I think just honestly, I'd love to have like smoke a big brisket and have a ton of people over. Yeah. Like no, that I, just I, sounds fun to me. Yeah. Uh, I think having so, a big party, having a big party yeah. and celebrating, which is something you, you're right. We haven't been able to do. Yeah. 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 So I know we're going to go here, but I just remembered Amy Lou Harris was a songwriter who also recorded "If I Needed You" and was a huge hit. For That's her. right, yeah, Amy Lou Harris. That's right. She's she's fantastic as well. She is fantastic. Great voice. Also, uh, uh, Swedish band First Aid Kit. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Amy Lou. Yep. Yeah. yeah, which is a reference. She was a big her. influence. A big influence on them. Yeah. Well, and her connection with uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name, Graham. Um, yeah. Beer, yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah. He was in the birds, and <laughs> all right, dude. Well, listen, uh, good, to, good to be back in, uh, yeah. back in the saddle. Uh, I look forward to our next one. Got some uh, fun recordings coming up, so we'll post those soon. And uh, all the best to you, man. Uh, see we'll, you, man. Yeah, we'll hopefully see you soon, and we'll talk to you later.